You are listening to the Balkan Bread Podcast. This is a podcast created to connect diaspora worldwide by sharing each other's stories. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Balkan Bread podcast. My name is Amina, and I'm super excited that you guys are here, that you're listening. If it's your first time listening, welcome. Super excited to have you. We've been doing this podcast now for almost three years, which is insane. And we have recorded so many episodes with all of these talented Balkan professionals. Everyone is in such different industries. And I think as an entrepreneur, there is always something to be learned. So for me, it's really cool to just hear about different careers, different jobs that are out there. And my hope is that anyone who is listening and is thinking of pursuing a particular career path in that industry can gain something from the episode. So that is essentially what we like to talk about. We have other themes. I've recorded some solo episodes before as well, but primarily I like to have these different guests on just because I think it's a little bit more interesting to hear their perspective and yeah, we're going to get right into it. So today I'm super excited to have my friend Adna Hutkeach. She is a mortgage loan consultant based out of the Seattle area. And we're going to be talking about so many exciting things, kind of taking you through, I guess, like a day in her life and her job, as well as talking a little bit more about the real estate market, because I think real estate is one of those things that is really growing right now. and so many people that I went to college with are pursuing careers um, either as brokers or real estate agents. So I think it's really interesting just to hear from people in that career path. So I'm going to welcome Adna to the episode. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. Um, I'm so excited to be here and share my experiences and hopefully give some of the listeners a couple useful tips. So as Amina said, I'm Adna and I currently live in Seattle. I'm originally from Teshan in Bosnia though. So and I've been in the mortgage industry for about eight months now. And I actually got into it right after college, after graduating this summer. So it's the only actual career that I've been in, but it's been an exciting start. Definitely. And I know we were talking before we started recording about um, how you got hired like during COVID, which is pretty crazy. So you were mentioning how a lot of the people that you work with, you really just met virtually and you didn't get a chance to meet a lot of people in person. So I think that's really interesting. How was that initial, I guess, job hunt after, you know, graduating? Was this something that you kind of saw yourself doing or was it just a really cool opportunity that presented itself? It was honestly just a cool opportunity that presented itself. I was at the University of Washington studying finance earlier this year. And when it came time to look for jobs, I honestly had no clue what I wanted to do. All my peers were excited about their financial analyst positions or investment banking and working with Microsoft and Starbucks, some of the big name companies that we have around, but none of it felt right to me. I just couldn't envision myself 
kind of sitting in a cubicle, just analyzing numbers all day. I was like, I want to work with people and make a change in someone's life. And so I was just lost. I had no clue what to do, uh, how I could achieve that with a finance degree. And then a recruiter reached out to me from Caliber Home Loans. And at first I was like, selling debt mortgages? What are you talking about? That's so out of my field. And then when I looked at, uh, into it a little more, I just realized that it might actually be the, the perfect fit because I get to use my finance degree and put those skills to use, but I also get to help people with the biggest purchase that they'll probably ever make. And in this industry, a lot of people aren't quite as transparent or the process can be confusing. And so I'm just super excited to help people through the process and make it as simple as possible for everybody. But as you were saying, it's all been during COVID. And so all my interviews were virtual or phone calls. Starting working with my team, we have a team of six people, I believe, and I've only ever worked virtually with them. I've met two of them in person. And so it's been quite the curve because I feel like coming out of college, you have that excitement to get into the workforce, get into the office, dress up, socialize with your coworkers and kind of start that new chapter of your life. And COVID has definitely taken away that aspect of it. Right. Like you said, it's a totally different environment and you don't have those traditional onboarding experiences. I mean, a lot of things can be done virtually, which I think is really great. And I think, you know, having that ability to work from home is awesome because not everyone has that. So I think the fact that even just, you know, starting this and starting this different career that, like you said, you didn't really expect it. You didn't really see yourself 100% doing it. But I think it's great that you recognized that it was okay not to follow in the footsteps of all of your other peers, especially those who are also doing finance and looking for, I guess, more of, you know, a traditional job kind of within that career path. So I think that's really awesome. And it goes to show that, you know, a lot of times the first job that you have out of college, at least speaking from personal experience, is definitely like the last thing you saw yourself doing, at least for me, (laughs) not in a bad way, but it's just like, whoa, I never, you know, thought I would be working in that type of role and it kind of works out for you at the time and yeah I mean some people stay at those kinds of jobs after college for a while and sometimes you're like okay it's time to move on but I think it's really cool just to um, take a leap of faith and do something different. I think that you definitely need to trust yourself in those moments too. just kind of trust your gut and what it's telling you to do even if it's not with the status quo or what you maybe thought you would be doing. Life always kind of has a way of taking you in the way that it's a, that you're supposed to go, but it definitely takes a lot of trust in yourself and that you're doing the right thing. Yeah, 100% for sure. So let's talk a little bit more about your mission because you are on Instagram. I, that's actually how I found you, which I think is awesome that everyone's able to use their accounts to either, you know, make new connections or find new clients. So tell us a little bit more just in detail about your mission and, you know, the different services that you offer, because I know you're working with Caliber Home Loans. So just talk us through like, I don't even know, like a day in the life or just kind of some specific things that you like to do. 
Yeah, of course. So I am with Caliber Home Loans. And just to kind of clarify that a little bit, I'm a mortgage lender. And then you have brokers as well. And there's just a few different sectors of getting a mortgage loan, I guess. And so Caliber Home Loans is a mortgage bank. That is all we do through and through Mm -hmm. versus you have uh, some of your institutional banks kind like Chase or Bank of America that do your credit um, credit cards, auto loans, as well as mortgages and everything. And so the way that I kind of like to describe it is Chase and those banks are like your primary care physician does a little bit of everything, but doesn't really specialize in one aspect versus Caliber and companies like Caliber are like your heart surgeon surgeon that specializes in one aspect and knows it through and through. And so typically companies like mine will have a variation of loan programs. We have about 259 different loans right now versus Chase's is very low in comparison. And so we do things a little differently. We have to seek out clients. So a lot of my day-to-day is actually prospecting, reaching out to realtors, to builders, and just networking with anybody because word of mouth is more, yeah, like more valuable than I think I ever realized. And I don't know, just yesterday, someone asked me where I got my logo done and I sent their, like their profile to them. And it kind of clicked to me that like just how important it is because you trust your friends, you trust your coworkers to, you know, guide you in a good way or if they had a good experience. And so it's, so important and I'm trying to build a good following for myself and a good a good network and a good brand for myself so that I can build that foundation of trust with people but I think that my mission is honestly to educate people and help them help everyone along a difficult process that some people can just make so complicated mm-hmm. I feel like school even if you go to college you just we miss so much important information that we're just, we're not taught it. And especially getting in it, into this industry and learning about credit and how your credit score works and how real estate really works. And I feel like most people think that you have to have 20% down to buy a house. You don't, you can get away with 3%. And just like myths like that, that are perpetrated throughout society in our communities. And then it kind of stagnates people from moving and growing. So I hope through my Instagram and through the work that I do to educate people and the proper methods and guidelines and hopefully give tips to as to how people can build their assets and get to where they want to be. Like you were saying, it's really something that, you know, we don't really learn about this. We don't learn about, you know, buying a car, buying a house, um, you know, getting whatever your first apartment, even Um, just things like that. It's so not taught at all. And it's really interesting. My brother, he, when did he graduate from high school? Was that two years ago? I don't even have an essence of time now because of um, (laughs) COVID. But it was really interesting because they had this class, I forget what it's called, but literally they were teaching them um, different I don't even know like math and like life skills just like about I don't even know just like certain things that you don't really learn at all like in high school and college nothing is taught unless you know you have that figure in your life who's already gone through those steps or you know a friend who's able to guide you or your parents 
that's really who I would rely on or seek out this information from. And word of mouth is huge, especially when you're dealing with something that a lot of people don't have a good understanding about. I was talking about this with my friend Armina, who is an insurance agent. And that's another you know topic that isn't really the most exciting, but everyone needs insurance, right? And so I found out about her coincidentally through a mutual friend. And so I think that, you know, relying on it is extremely huge. I mean, for anything, if my friend likes it, then there's a good chance that I'm going to like it if we have similar tastes. But of course, if it's something like this, then it's even more relevant and specific, which I think is really awesome. So leveraging social media and sharing different educational tips and things that people should know about the process is really, really beneficial. And I think at the end of the day, that's what's going to make you stand out because people can be like, oh yeah, I didn't know about this one term, you know, lingo. And I saw it on Edna's account and she educated me and now I know what that means. And so I think that's really good because you're dealing with something that can be so foreign and kind of intimidating to seek out. Like you mentioned, how much money you are going to put down on your house. You know, of course, it's great if you can put a bunch down, do the 20% down, but you you might not be able to. And I think that's okay. So it's all about, you know, presenting the different kind of options that are available. So that's that's really really good do you have anything else that you wanted to add to that last part before I go into the next question no I think that you gotta you wrapped it up or you summed it up really well just educating yourself and your friends is so important in a like we live in a world where there's so much information out there but somehow we still miss it all and so I hope to make a difference with that and make the home buying process just super simple for all my friends and everyone in the community that follows along on my social media. Definitely, definitely. I think that's awesome. And now we can kind of transition into talking a little bit more about the real estate market in Seattle specifically, and also comparing it to other major U.S. cities, because I'm sure it's very competitive. And I don't know if you have any particular tokens of advice for people who are looking to purchase a home in that area, if there's any specific things that you should be aware of or look out for. Um, Obviously, every city is going to be a little bit different, but I think this might be beneficial for anyone who is either thinking of moving in the Seattle area or maybe you already live there and you're just looking for another home, I don't know. Um, But yeah, just kind of walk us through what that entire kind of market looks like. So right now, the Seattle market is crazy. It's such a hot market, and we feel like it's becoming the next Silicon Valley with a lot of tech coming into the area and like Amazon expanding, Microsoft and everything. It just very tech dominated. Right now, it's a seller's market, which means that inventory is staying on the market under six months, we're seeing houses stay on the market for about two weeks, which is just crazy. It goes on and it goes off. And we've had buyers looking for months or bidding on numerous houses and always losing out on the bid for one reason or another. Like the other day, we had a client who 
they've been looking for months and they found their perfect home and they were so set on it that they offered 50,000 over and over asking and we were set we were sure they were going to get it right they lost the bid because someone came in with $100,000 over people are adamant to get their houses and they will do anything for it and I just think that anybody that's going into this market right now needs to be prepared for a long search and a battle (laughs) to get their house. I think that some of the best advice that I could give is one, be ready for some competition. Two, work with a really good agent and do your research on it because an agent is going to write the contract um, or the offer letter, I mean, and they're the ones that you're going to work with to decide that if you should put below asking, above asking, at asking, or if you should waive any of the contingencies or inspections. And the agent is going to either make or break your offer letter because you, especially in a market like this, you need a strong offer letter. <laughs> Making sure that you pick someone that is a good fit for you and your needs, but that is also going to fight for you in a market like this is so important. Um, like one fact, just to show how hot the market is right now, year over year growth average for like the national average is 5%. The year over year growth in Seattle from 2019 to 2020 was 20% of like in sales values. So prices are just being driven up so high because demand is so high, but supply is so low that it just be ready for a battle. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. I mean, that's insane. I've been watching, there is this YouTuber and um, she lives in Seattle. She purchased a home there. Her name is Monica Church and she recently became a real estate agent. So she's making a bunch of different videos and just showing, you know, all the different kinds of homes that are out there. And it's really crazy because the competitiveness is something that she talks about a lot. And Mm -hmm. it's just insane to see that. And I don't know, to see all of these different, of course, there's brand new things that you can get. There's older things that you can get. You can even get a like houseboat, which I thought was crazy. (laughs) You can get one of those, um, which was pretty cool. They went in one and I think it was from like, the 70s or 80s and it was pretty of course a lot more affordable than you know buying a traditional home um Mm -hmm. you would have to fix it up but I thought that was really interesting um I don't know if I could do that but (laughs) at least you have that option too yeah it's it's really interesting the houseboats I haven't ever been on one but I've seen them on the uh docked by the piers and everything and I just I don't know I feel like I would get seasick (laughs) Yeah, honestly, honestly, it's, it's, yeah, I don't know. I think for like an Airbnb, that would be Mm -hmm. a really smart idea and definitely something that I would like to experience, but yeah, living in it would be a different story. So, um, yeah, I think that's crazy. I mean, that's, I don't, I don't know how that compares to Atlanta here. Um, I'm sure it's worse over there just because everything is a little bit more expensive anyway the cost of living is going to be a little bit higher um here I think it's competitive as well in a case but at the end of the day they're still building so many different neighborhoods high-rises all these different things are popping up and there's a lot of um different neighborhoods that you can live in as well so 
yeah, it's just insane to see kind of how much it's changed from, you know, even 10 years ago, totally different, like buying a home and what homes are valued at and just like our home in particular, just seeing like how much it's gone up in value versus like what we bought it is crazy. Mm -hmm. And like the thing that you mentioned about offering like 50,000 over the asking price and then being denied because someone else offered 100,000, literally insane. I can't imagine that (laughs) just the heartbreak when I heard that they lost out on that bid it was heartbreaking to me because I can't imagine what being willing to put that much over to just secure it and it's still not being enough and like for this particular family the home means so much to them now like COVID I feel like COVID has changed what a home means to so many people it just a house used to be just a house and you sleep there, eat dinner, hang out with family, whatever it may be. But now it's people's offices, it's daycare, school, playgrounds, and people need a lot more space. And I think that's why the housing demand everywhere has skyrocketed. And I don't know, COVID has really changed the game. Definitely, definitely. So with house hunting in general, you know, there's all kinds of things to keep in mind, you know, your budget, things that are must-haves, and then who you're buying the home with, like trying to negotiate. So what are some common mistakes you've noticed when people are house hunting and how can they be easily avoided? So there's a lot of mistakes that we've seen both from the financing side and the actual house hunting side, which you'll deal more with your realtor is not identifying what they really want in a home or just being too generic. It, I think it's important to understand if more land is, if a lot of land is more important than a big house or if a big house is more important than a lot of land or than a lot of land, or if you want two rooms versus three, we've had buyers that they're looking at specific houses because that's what they think they want. But then an agent takes a risk and shows them something else and they realize that they were totally off. So I think that sitting down and really identifying your needs, the needs for your family in a new home is so important and making sure that you find those. And the second mistake from the house hunting side, house hunting side is settling. I hate when I hear people say, Oh, it's okay for now. It'll work for now because just like anything in life, don't settle. Mm-hmm. You need to buy like when you're truly happy and excited about something. And as cheesy as it sounds, when you know, you know, like you'll be excited about it. It'll be in the back of your mind. And like you can truly just tell when someone's fallen in love with the house, talking to clients and during the shopping process. It's, you hear them, oh, this house was cool. This one was great. But there's always just like a little joy in their voice when they talk about one that really hit the spot. So I wait for that joy. Um, from the financing side, biggest mistake is people assuming they need 20% down. Mm-hmm. You only need 20% down for investment properties. Other than that, an FHA government loan, you need 3.5% down. On conventional loans, we can get away with 3%. So you really need a lot less to get started. Obviously, for other things, you might, like you, if you want a lower payment, you might want to put more down. But that is something that you want to talk to your consultant about so that you guys can make a plan that actually fits for you. And that's 
the next thing is not knowing what someone can afford and setting expectations that aren't realistic. So my advice to that would be talk to a mortgage professional and get pre-approved before you go house hunting. A lot of people will find the realtor first um, and expect to go house hunting before they mm-hmm. kind of talk money, but money is the first step so that you know what budget you're playing around in, if you can actually afford more than you thought or if it's lower. Oh, so getting pre-approved is like having a briefcase of money ready when you put your offer in so that the seller knows, hey, this buyer is good to go. They're ready. The transaction would be smooth or as smooth as can be. Um, The next biggest mistake that I see buyers do is buying something substantial in the middle of their transaction. So lenders do a last credit pull before closing to make sure that our debt to income ratios and everything is still within government guidelines. And it's unfortunate when a client doesn't listen and goes and buys a car or a boat, or we had someone buy another house in the middle of a transaction and it completely derailed ours. And it just, while you're in the middle of buying a house, just don't incur any other credit until you close. <laughs> I feel like that's kind of like common sense, but I mean, I guess it could be something that you overlook. I mean, depending on your situation, like I think it's something you want to plan like time out, you know, timing mm-hmm. if possible, but yeah, probably, yeah, don't want to buy a boat or something. <laughs> I don't yeah, know. <laughs> to me and to some people, it's just, it's, that's home buying 101. But some people, I guess, like one buyer, the one that bought that, um, mm-hmm. he bought a house. He bought an investment property in the middle of buying his primary residence. Oh, okay. And that would have been fine, but he didn't tell us about this and he didn't tell us that he closed on it or that he did it. So on our credit poll, we were like, why do you have this, you know, extra thing? Mm-hmm. And he's the, I guess he was in transaction with it before and he didn't think that he needed to mention it to us. But one thing, be super upfront and honest with whoever you're working with so that they know the full scope of the scenario and they can actually work with you and to make it all work rather than having a surprise at the end and then not being able to close on the home that you really want. Right, exactly. I mean, you have to be upfront whenever you're making any kind of big purchase and just kind of, you know, put it all out there, so to mm-hmm. speak. So, yeah, definitely, definitely. And I know you have some more, so I'll let you continue. So another thing is not a, not identifying their source of down payment or being sure that they have access to it. We've had borrowers say that they're going to borrow from their 401k, but they aren't aware of any limits that are set on to as to how much they can pull out Mm -hmm. or if there'll be a tax penalty. And so you really want to make sure that you have all that ironed out before you go in. And also down payments have to be in the form of cash. So you can't, it can't be a credit card. It can't be another loan. Mm -hmm. Um, It just, the money has to be in your account. Right. Um, I went a little out of order for these, so I'm like, which ones have I not said? Whatever you think is the most valuable to mention, it's totally fine. And then I guess talking about owning versus renting, and I don't know, for me, and maybe this is just a, 
our perspective, just coming here, um, you know, as refugees, being immigrants, we always, at least for me, the belief to kind of own something versus like just leasing a car or renting something like that was instilled like at a very early age and you know Mm -hmm. even with everything that we've ever bought like we buy to own like we don't like to do the payment plan or you know just like different Mm -hmm. different kinds of systems so for anyone out there who's on the fence about switching gears from renting to owning their own home what would you say to persuade them I think my biggest point is that whether you're renting or you're deciding to buy, money is going to be coming out of your account every month. Mm -hmm. And you just have to decide if you want to pay someone else's mortgage or your own. Because at the end of the day, whether you're renting an apartment or you're renting another house, Mm -hmm. someone has a mortgage on that property and you're helping them pay it. And so you're helping them pay off an asset that's going to help them grow versus mm-hmm. paying off one of your own assets to help yourself grow. And I think that's the number one point that I can make. And like real estate is has been the number one investment vehicle for seven years running just because it is a great return on investment. But on the flip side, some people renting just works because they enjoy being mobile, moving frequently. They don't have to stay in one place for too long. Or sometimes people just genuinely don't want to deal with the headache of homeownership because renting has some nice perks. If the lights go out or the water isn't running, the pipe breaks, you call your landlord and you don't have to worry about anything out of pocket. It's not your headache versus once you start owning a home that does fall on your shoulders. But I think people just got to weigh out their pros and cons and figure out what pays out for them financially. Mm -hmm. But overall, I personally think owning is the better option just because it's not just throwing your money down the drain. You will eventually pay it off and it is an asset to you. And once you own it, even if you decide to move somewhere else, you can rent it out and then have income flow coming in. Or if you sell it, like earn back um, Mm -hmm. the equity that you've made in the house. And so, I don't know, to each their own, but (laughs) there's definitely. It kind of depends on your situation too. Mm -hmm. But I guess this was more like if you're, you know, maybe constantly like finding yourself renting and then kind of you know, oh, okay, like owning a home, that sounds like something that could potentially pay off more in the long run, like those kinds of things. So mm-hmm. I definitely think that's beneficial. And of course, it depends. Like if, you know, like you said, if you're not someone who likes to be in one place all the time, you want to move, you want to try different things. I think that's totally fair. And um, you can always get like renter's insurance and things like that too. Um, So there definitely are perks, I guess, to both sides. But Mm -hmm. yeah, being a homeowner, there's all kinds of things. I know one thing is like, having HOA fees is so annoying. It almost makes Mm -hmm. me want to go, you know, build my own house (laughs) on a plot of land somewhere. So I don't have to deal with that. Because I know that's something that um, my parents have always complained about. They're like, why do we have all these fees, you know, and it's not like my neighborhood has, you know, um, a tennis court, a basketball court, like we have mm-hmm. a pool, but that's about it. <laughs> like, what are we paying for? Yeah, it's crazy. And so I think a lot of it probably does have to do with um, just like 
I don't know, maybe property taxes in like the area and all kinds of things. But yeah, that's definitely a downside to it. But anyway, it, it yeah. depends on the person. <laughs> yeah, and HOA fees typically, they're not associated with every house. It's typically within um, planned urban developments mm -hmm. and like condos, townhouses, stuff like that to kind of upkeep the look and the neighborhood. Yeah. But it's definitely not a part of every yeah every home like it really depends <laughs> where you live because i know some people where it's they're living in maybe like more either remote area or their house is like um i don't know what you would call it but their house is literally on the side of the road so they don't live in a neighborhood <laughs> type of situation so yeah. which is totally fine but um i think there's you know pros and cons to both i don't know to each their own i feel like people just got a way out yeah what works out what works best for them and go that route but awesome yeah and then i guess that was the last question other than obviously how people can get in touch with you did you have anything else that you wanted to add that we didn't already cover no i think that's about it and if anyone has any questions or generally wants to know more about the process or what they can afford or anything like that, I'm happy to help anybody or get them in touch with another lender that I know if I'm not licensed in their state. Um, yeah, happy to help anybody. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Adna, for being on the episode. And if anyone who's listening is interested in getting in touch, I will have all of her information in the show notes of the podcast episode. And as always, if you're interested in being featured on an upcoming episode, definitely send an email to us. It's hello, just the word hello at balconbread.com. So thank you guys again for listening and we will talk to you in our next episode. Bye everyone.